0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. I pray that you guys are doing well this morning. Welcome to all of our first time visitors, those of you who are logged on for the first time, hanging with us, we are so glad to have you. Uh, And make no mistake about it, we got up this morning and jumped on YouTube and jumped on Facebook in order to corporately, even though virtually, but corporately give Jesus' name the glory and the honor. We take no glory, it is all his, it is all unto him. The way Psalm 115 is said, it is not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, get the glory. And the reason we gather virtually and get up and spend some time with the Lord is because we want to make sure that he gets complete glory. And one of the ways that we give God glory is uh, through singing. And I'm grateful for the worship team and uh, them so diligently serving us every week and and making sure that they are rehearsing so that uh, there's good quality worship that is going out. Into the airwaves and up to the Lord, but also the other way we give God glory is through spending time in the Word. There's never a moment where we gather and don't get in the Word, so let's do it. Grab your Bibles, get to the New Testament, what I would call the commentary to the book of Leviticus, get to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is where we're going to spend our time. Once you get to Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Man, I really do pray that y'all are doing well. I have spent some time this week praying for many of you, just your faces and names popped up and put you on my journal and spent some time uh, just praying for you and and for your family and for some of you that are single, people that have have had job interviews. For some reason, this week has been a good week for people getting interviews and uh, the second interview and the third interview. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm grateful and certainly have been lifting you up. Uh, But if you're on, man, it's a good day to be on. Why don't you share this link, let somebody know we're live, and let them know that we're starting a brand new sermon series today. Sermon series called Close But No Cigar. Over the next four weeks, we're going to really look and see what it means uh, to get seemingly, and I'm putting air quotes there, seemingly close to God by religious activity, but falling short. Full access that we get is through Jesus and Jesus alone. And so oftentimes, I think... What happens is we try to pull our up, ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we, we, we try to do the best willpower and we try to drive the relationship with God and drive the relationship. But on your best day, we fall short. That, that day you got up at 6 a.m., And you read through the book of Leviticus or that 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 one day that you got up and you actually prayed for three hours or that one day you got up and you put your I love Jesus shirt on that day. You still fall short because we need Jesus and he gets us across the finish line. And so for the next four weeks, Close But No Cigar is going to show us that we actually think we get close by our religious activity but it is Jesus and Jesus alone that takes us there. All right, let's get into the word of God today. I hope y'all are good. A few verses, verse 11. Verse 11 says, I'm in Hebrews chapter 10, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. Watch this and underline it, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time, Single, a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemy should be made his footstool for his feet. Verse 14, our last verse, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want to simply preach today from uh, our title for the entire sermon series, Close But No Cigar. Let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, we we do open your word and we are realizing as we open it that we are in desperate need of you. We, we are we are realizing that without you, that there, there is no possible way we can understand the word. And so today, Father, would you speak to us, speak directly to our hearts? I'm convinced that there is somebody that's on here. I don't know how many, but I know that there is at least somebody on here. That believes in the cross, but also adds to the cross and says it's, it's it's the cross plus my religious activity. It's the cross plus me going to church. It's the cross plus me doing this and doing that. And at the end of the day, all of it falls short. The cross is what we need. So, Father, would you clarify for us today? Would you sharpen us today? For some people, this message may seem redundant, but at the end of the day, we need the gospel to be Rehearsed in our hearts and in our minds over and over again. So Father, speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word. May I add nothing to it or take nothing away. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Close but no cigar. I have uh, two older brothers and an older sister. And when I was a kid, my, my parents uh, often would take us. So uh, we can decline that music. Thank you. When I was a kid, my parents would often take us, my brothers and my sister, my older sister, they would take us to the, to the carnival or, or the fair, the, the local fair. And um, it, it's funny, I've always had mixed feelings about a fair or a carnival, uh, mixed feelings because, number one, um, I hate rides, like I, I don't like rides, I, I don't like heights, I don't like anything that's moving fast, I don't like anything that uh, causes my equilibrium to be thrown off, I don't like anything that makes me feel like I'm dying, I'm living in a, in a world that that is filled with enough anxiety, I don't need more anxiety by getting on a ride, I know that's not your testimony, I'm the dude that you usually would sit with everybody's strollers in the bags while everybody else rides rides, I just don't like rides. But when I was a kid, I had to find something to do with my time. I loved the carnival. I loved eating at the carnival. I loved funnel cakes. And uh, there, there was one specific event that I would love to do every time I go to the carnival, and that's play those games. Y'all know those games. They got the big stuffed animals, right? And you, you know, your, your hope is to go over there and win one of those animals. So I would, my mother would let me, usually let me play those games. But those games are, they're rigged, but they have a way to draw you in. They're, they're, they're not like they're not fair games. You know, if you're playing the basketball, usually the rim is actually smaller than a regular rim. And you think you're going to get it in, but it kind of hits and bounces out consistently because the ball is like the same size as the as the actual rim. Or, y'all remember the one with the with the softball in the and the milk crates and you got to take the softball and you throw it and hit the milk crates. Those milk crates are extremely heavy. Those those, uh, milk cartons or cans or whatever they are, they're extremely heavy. They're made out of metal. Or what about the the plastic ring? You got the plastic ring and you got the bottles and you're throwing the bottles and and you're throwing the rings and they're hitting the bottles. You're supposed to get it on top, but that plastic is made with a certain type of uh, material that bounces right off of the glass and I found out that sometimes they have the the table is tilted slightly so that it doesn't quite get on top of the bottle. But those games, man, they build your confidence up. They draw you in only to let you down. And typically when I went to the carnival, whenever I would play those games and it wouldn't work out well and I wouldn't win, the host of the game would say, close, but no cigar. The reason they would say that because when... Carnivals got popular in the mid 20th century when carnivals became really, really popular. When you would play the game, they wouldn't have stuffed animals as the prize. The prize would actually be a cigar. And so the host, when you would get close enough, you missed it by a hair. The carnival host would say, you were close, but you didn't win the cigar. Meaning you didn't win the actual prize. And in our text this morning in the book of Hebrews which is an unknown author. We don't know who wrote this. He paints a scenario of a situation that you can get close to, but not actually get the prize. Now, don't 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 mistake what I'm saying. The prize is not a big pink flamingo, that the prize is not a cigar. The prize that the writer of Hebrews is talking about about is heaven. And nothing in the world could be worse than getting close to heaven, but not getting fully in. Now, nothing could be worse than getting close enough to God through your religious behavior and your religious adherence, but not actually make it in. Can you imagine missing heaven by a hair? Can you imagine getting close enough that you can see it and touch it, but not actually obtain it? The passage before us says that's exactly what your religious work does. It's exactly what your grind does. That's exactly what you're pulling yourself up by your own bootstrap does and and many people that are watching right now—not many, maybe a few of you that are on right now—are like, "Oh, don't don't take my merit away from me. Don't take my my works away from me, uh, Pastor. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't have sex. Me and God are good. I logged on virtually today. I actually read the Bible this week. I actually gave of my finances to the church. So me and God are cool. But at the end of the day, the Bible will say that's a form of godliness, but it denies the power." It denies the true essence of what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about a work hard and do more. Christianity is about I am pointed to the one that did the work. And that is enough. Somebody logged on today is feeling close. And you're feeling close because of religious behavior, but it falls short every single day time. This is going to free somebody up this week. Look look at verse 11 with me. We won't be long at all, but just, just pay attention to a couple of words and some comparison and contrast between verse 11 and verse 12. So much is in here. Look at verse 11. And every priest stands, watch this word, daily at his service. Watch this word, offering repeatedly the same Sacrifice. Verse 11 describes the work of a priest in the temple of Jerusalem and Jewish law. Uh, it required that the people of Israel would often offer a sacrifice on a recurring basis, sometimes daily, sometimes yearly. But constantly they were offering these sacrifices. And many times we think of sacrifice. We only think of animal sacrifices, but there were so many sacrifices in the Old Testament. Leviticus 1 talks about how there were burnt offerings, uh, talking about offerings for atonement. Then there was peace offerings. And then there was sin offerings or purification offerings. Then there was guilt offerings for trespasses. Uh, Those were made for, for amends. And then there was grain offerings had nothing to do with animals, but you would offer up your wheat and offer up your grain. And so the Old Testament is full of examples of all of these sacrifices and the sacrificial system and the religiosity and the working and the religious work and the religious work and the religious work. And I doubt somebody in Brooklyn in 2021 is offering up any sacrifices. I mean, I I, I doubt it. I I don't I don't think anybody is doing any animal sacrifices. That's real weird. I I don't think anybody is doing grain offering. No one burnt up their Wheaties this morning and said this is for the Lord. You might have burnt the oatmeal, but you didn't burn cereal this morning and say this is for the Lord. And so in Brooklyn in 2021, we don't actually work through the religiosity of the sacrificial system. But many of us have placed animal sacrifices With other religious activity. Let me say that back. Many of us have replaced, and not you, many of us have replaced the animal sacrificial system with other religiosity. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Going to church. I can just get to the church. I can just get there a few times, if I can just get to Restoration Plaza, if I can just get to Herbert Von King Park, if they could just open back up the church and I can just get to the church, then me and God are cool. It is a form of godliness. It does not save you. Serving. If I can just serve, I just get on a ministry. If I could just help the church, if I could just do something, then I'm good. Giving to the church, financially giving, giving of your time to the church. All of these things are good and they're, 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 they're beautiful. And yes, they are needed, but don't ever get it twisted. You don't do those things to be saved. You should be doing them because you are saved. And that's a difference. So these sacrifices seemingly get you close to God, but they, they seemingly get you close. But let me help you out this morning. It ain't enough. Do not think because you got up this morning and you logged on to Epiphany Church or if you went to a different church this morning, you're going to a different church this afternoon. You can hit three or four. You can go to church to your blue in your face and it's not enough because God never designed this thing to work based on you earning it. This is not a point system. The way the text says is verse 11 says that these priests stood daily at the service. This text says that they offered repeatedly the same sacrifice, but the end of verse 11 messes me up. It says, which can never take away sin. The working that the priest did consistently was a shadow, but was not the substance. They consistently worked and consistently worked. And that's somebody's testimony that's on today. You are grinding and you are trying. And you're like, God, I just I want to be with you and I want to I, I want to have a relationship with you. So I, I got to do more and I got to work harder. But at the end of the day, the text is still true, which can never take away sin. Religiosity doesn't take away sin. Going to church doesn't take away sin. Logging on this morning doesn't take away sin. Performing good works doesn't take away sin. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps does not take away sin. You get close, but you fail to obtain the prize. I've shared this story with you guys when I was, when we first started the church, but I probably shared it a hundred times since then. Before I met Jesus, I was born and raised in church my parents uh, just I mean my father was always on a ministerial staff somewhere and my mother uh, played for she played the piano for all the churches that we went to and so we always found ourselves in church I never had a problem with it I, I promise you I never did two or three times we would be in church in rehearsals and meetings and, and church and and I would always be at church and I never had a problem there was something in me that actually liked this idea of community and I didn't I didn't have the words to form it but there was something that I, that drew me in about it. That may not be your testimony, but that was mine. And when I began to get older and left out of my parents' house and got married, and I constantly, I stayed in church. But even in staying in church, I didn't know Jesus. You, you would think I knew who Jesus was, but th- there, were, there were seasons where I just didn't know who he, I was far from the Lord. And if you asked me, I would have told you, yeah, I know who he is. If you ask, if you press me deeper and you ask me further questions, you would find out that I really was living by a religious works based system. I believed in the cross, but it was the cross plus this, plus this, plus this. And that is exactly what they were doing in the text. It was a constant trying to perform for God. But one of the things I know about God is he don't want employees. He wants servants. He wants sons. He wants daughters. And so the text today in verse 11 says that daily, repeatedly, they offered these same sacrifices. and They could never take away sin. Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a story in Matthew chapter 7. In fact, turn with, it, turn with me real quick there. If you got your Bibles or your devices, jump over to Matthew 7 real quick. I won't be long here, but... I was talking to the ladies at Life with Trey and Jay earlier this week, and we were talking about this very, this very same topic. And I mentioned this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Look at what it says. These, are, these words are in red. So this is, this is Jesus' words. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of uh, my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You got this picture on judgment day where these uh, people are standing before God and God is like, I don't know who you are. And they're like, but then we prophesy in your name. Didn't we cast out demons in your name. Did we do mighty works in your name? And even though they were going through the religiosity and the circle and the cycle of serving and trying to do and trying to do for Jesus, Jesus was like, I don't know know. know who you are and many people that are sitting in church my greatest fear if you're logged on today is that you will stand before the Lord and you will say but God I went to church I logged on when we were in the pandemic I stayed connected and God will say I don't know who you are religiosity gets close but it does not suffice it does not take us over and so I'm trying to help somebody today I'm trying to help somebody today that may have possibly grown up in church and maybe you walked away from it and you got and you now you're getting back into it but you you think that it is your serving that gets you close it is not. I'm talking to that one person that maybe you just this is the first time you've ever connected to a church. But even you think that you're serving and you're giving and you're, that you're all of that has its place, but none of that saves us. And so the text says here that repeatedly they did these rituals over and over and over and over and over again. But the text ends in verse 11 and says, but it can never take away sin. But if we stopped at verse 11, we're in trouble. Geo, if we stopped at verse 11, we are doomed. We, we are hopeless. If it stops with me just performing and then it says... It can never take away sin. We are done. But for every verse 11, there's a verse 12. At least in chapter 10, there is. Look at what verse 12 says. It says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single, watch this, sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Don't miss the language here. In verse 11, it used this language of repeatedly and daily. In verse 12, it uses the language of single. In other words, what the what the human priests were doing was standing in the temple day by day and offering sacrifices, grains and burnt offerings and animals. But Jesus went in and didn't have to do it multiple times. He did it once because when they're standing there repeatedly doing it, It's showing you that it never could save us. It never could satisfy God's holiness. It was only one sacrifice that was satisfying to God, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus stands in great contradiction to the human uh, human priest. The human priest would walk into the temple with the sacrifice. Jesus walks in empty handed. Why? Because Jesus is the high priest that also is the sacrifice that is such a difference from the human, police, uh, the human priest, the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross is, is enough. They went in daily. Jesus went in one time and one time is all we needed. And here's why I worship Jesus. This is why I worship Jesus, because he did in one shot what the repetitive religious acts could never do. Jesus did in one shot what you could never do going to church for the rest of your life every single day. Jesus does it in one shot, six hours on. The cross. When I was younger, I often used to be confused on why Jesus had to die such a brutal death. Why, like, why was he, why was he beaten so badly? Why why did they put crowns on his head and and a spin and 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 a, and pierced him in his side? Why did they do all of these things? Why didn't they just behead him? Why didn't why didn't they just kill him? It would have it would have given the same thing. The blood still would have been shed, but it shows me how holy God is, and God is so holy, human religiosity will not be tolerated. It will not be. Acceptable. So Jesus becomes the perfect sacrifice for us. Animals were never able to remove sin. It showed me what was to come. Animals were never able to blot out transgressions. It showed me what was to come. Jesus is the greatest what they call typology to the Old Testament. He's the greatest typology to the animal sacrifice. So how do I obtain this this prize? How, how do I get this stuffed animal called heaven? How do how do I get the cigar? How, how do I get all the way there it is by believing in what Jesus has done, not by believing in what you do. You know, there's another difference between Jesus and the other high priests. Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only priest that's able to do the sacrifice without having to first atone for his own sin. Every other priest had to come in and they had to make a sacrifice for their sin before I can make a sacrifice on behalf of Israel. Jesus walks in and makes a sacrifice for every single one of us and does not have to make a sacrifice for his own sin. Because the Bible says that Jesus is without sin, not even deceit was found in his mouth. Even the, 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 the thief on the cross looked at Jesus and said, this man did nothing he did nothing wrong. So every other high priest had to first make a sacrifice for their sin. Jesus stands in great contradiction. There's another there, there's a there's another comparison in verse 11 and verse 12 between Jesus and these human priests. Look at the word. It says in verse 11, "Every priest stands." But in verse 12, it says, "When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, he sat." This is a great contrast because Standing represents the idea of having to do more, having to continue to work. If I stand, the work isn't done. But the fact that Jesus said lets me know that the work is done. You only sit and chill when there ain't nothing else to be done. You only relax when the work, when you've kilted, when you've done all that needed to be done, you gave what needed to be given, Jesus said, down signifying that the work is done. And the craziest thing about this is even though Jesus signifies that the work is done, why do we still run as though it's not? Why are we working when Christ is sitting? Why are we trying to earn when Christ is sitting? Why are we still trying to perform for God when Christ is sitting? Aren't you exhausted of continually standing? Sit down because Jesus is sitting down. Rest because Jesus has rested. The work is done. Would you do me a favor? Would you type that in and just say the work is done? Type that in that the work is the work is done. Stop. Stop trying and see. I, I know some of you are like oh, why? Like I've heard this. I've heard this before. You, you preach this kind of stuff all the time. Do you know how many meetings I've had over the last few months where I'm scratching my head going? Does this person know that the work is done? Does this person know that Jesus is all sufficient? Does this person know that Jesus is all you need? The dope part about Jesus is Jesus obtains the prize and then Jesus gives you the prize. That's the messes me up. It messes me up when I think that Jesus like he could have earned this uh, prize and kept it for himself But Jesus willingly gives you and I the prize. I don't know where you are in your house. I don't know if you're in the car, the bathroom, the bed. But if you would spend a few seconds just worshiping Jesus, just lifting your hands wherever you are in the house. Act like you in the church today and just worship Jesus because Jesus obtained the prize that you could never obtain and then gave it to you. It's the Christ that we serve. Don't just note that Jesus said. It is important to note where he sat. Verse number twelve says, "When Christ had offered a single, uh, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. Where did he sit, Pastor B? At the right hand of God. He sat down in a position of power. He sat down in a position of authority." He sat down in a position of privilege. Let me say it this way. He sat down in the seat that was only reserved for the one who was worthy to sit there. Nobody else can sit in that seat. But right now, Jesus is sitting. Right now, he is sitting and he is interceding on behalf of you. And so every time you fall and every time you make a mistake, Jesus is sitting going, Father, it's done. I I did. I worked that. I did that already. And every time you make a mistake, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. So I have no need to fear when my king is sitting in power. I don't I don't have any need to be anxious when my my king is sitting in a position of authority. I have no need to be afraid of anybody or anything on this earth when my king is not just sitting. But the Bible says that he made his enemies his footstool. Psalm 110 says the same thing. It says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Stuff that I'm worried about is under Jesus' feet. Stuff that I'm concerned about, Jesus got authority over it. He treads over it. Let me make this even deeper. The enemy of your soul that you are worried about, Jesus stepped on him. Jesus has his foot on him. Jesus is able to crush the serpent's head. Jesus is the one I worship and I adore. Jesus, I don't have to earn this thing. Jesus has already earned it for me. And many of you are working toward God instead of working from God. And what do I mean by that? We're working to earn the favor of God. But when you believe in Jesus Christ, I don't have to earn it. Jesus earned it. And so therefore I can work from that. It It is from there. The reason I go to church this is just me. I don't know about you. The reason I go to church is not to earn some type of favor with God. That breeds entitlement. God, you owe me. You know how many times I went to church? You know how many times I gave? You know how many times I served? You owe me. But when you work from a place of, God, I'm doing it because you've already done, it just breeds worship. It breeds rest. It stops burnout. It stops anxiety. But let's be careful here. Don't don't. Following Jesus is not a do nothing license. I think when we hear this kind of sermons, it's like, oh, Jesus did the work. I'm done. I'm good. I don't I'm don't got to do nothing. But if you notice in verse 14 and we'll end here, verse 14 says by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are, watch these words, being sanctified. Being sanctified is essential to the Christian life. Being sanctified is is, is is let me that that's a christian that that's a that's a deep term. Being sanctified simply talks about your spiritual maturity. It talks about being made holy. Now there's two types of holiness, of course. Once we believe in Jesus, we are positionally holy. If you die today, God forbid, but if I died today, today I would be with. Even though I'm not perfect. I would be deemed as perfect. That's called positional sanctification, that that's positionally God looks at me and deems me as holy because I've trusted in Jesus. But y'all know we y'all know, like in real life, we not really holy. Y'all know that, right? Like your actions ain't always you always every now and then you got a bad agenda. There's ill intent every now and then, even when you do right action, sometimes it can be done with wrong heart. And so y'all know we got issues. And so we need to look more like Jesus. So anybody that's going, well, this is a do nothing type of sermon. Jesus finished it. Jesus worked. Jesus is sitting. I'm a sit. I'm a chill. But in reality, no, because he did that. Now I want to look like. him. How do I look like him? Being sanctified, this being sanctified is present tense. It's an ongoing process. And the thing about the sanctification process is you never arrive. You never fully get there until Christ comes back. I don't care if you check out of here at 116 years old. You, from now until then, you will be being sanctified. Spiritual maturity. And it really happens over discipleship. I, I didn't know I was going to plug this, but it really, your spiritual walk happens best. Your maturity happens in community and discipleship. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot grow by yourself. I love that we can live stream and we can check out any church anywhere. I love that. But let's just be clear that that is a supplement that is a multivitamin pill. That's not the meal. So, yeah, I check everybody out and I want to check them out and um, it's it's supplemental, but it is not the main thing. Being sanctified is being in community. It's being discipled. It's growing to look more and more like Jesus. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but somebody has been trying and trying and trying and you've been falling and failing. Today, I want to free you up. Been missing it. You've been you've been you've been trying to you've been getting close You know, sometimes getting close and failing is more frustrating than not starting at all. I'd rather not start than actually like start and then get close. That's exactly what it fails you. Religious work fails you. But the key to getting the prize is trusting in Jesus. Who is it today that needs to stop running and and rest with Jesus? He's sitting and I'm kneeling at his at his feet, worshiping him because he's already done the work. And I don't know who it is. I've had several conversations, and I said this earlier, several conversations over the last few months. with People that just don't don't understand it. And a lot of times. It's crazy. I got to say this. A lot of times it's because we feel like that message is too easy. We live in a culture, especially those of you who, in, who are here in New York. We live in a culture that is a grind culture. I'm a, I'm a grind I'm gonna work hard. Some of you are so successful at what you do, and your success is tied to the hard work you did. I don't want to take that away from you, but when you apply that to the kingdom, verse 11 says, "Which can never take away sin." So I don't, I don't know who it is, but somebody has been working hard, and you've applied cultural principles to the kingdom, and it never works. I read this book called Meritocracy and it talks about how we live in a society that is merit based. We we learned that as kids. If you get your name on the board and you get 10 stickers, then you get a prize. We've always been trying to earn. We've always been trying to work. We've always been trying to be the best. And I don't wanna take that from you. Work hard, brother, work hard. My sister, work hard. But when it comes to the kingdom, Spiritual maturity is not working hard. It's resting well in Jesus' work. He's already did it. So I don't know who it is that's been trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing. I'm going to free you up today. It's finished. Jesus sat down. Don't be standing while Jesus is sitting. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you don't let us earn our own salvation. Because if I had to earn it, that also means I have to keep it. If I have to earn my way in, I have to earn my keep while I'm in. But Jesus has done the work. And so because the work is done and now I am resting in him, my salvation is secure. It's eternal. It doesn't stop. It's no end to it. I can't even mess it up because Jesus has secured it for me. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, for the person that is trying to grapple with this idea of the gospel. And they're trying to grapple with this idea of work-based versus faith-based. Let this faith-based not be a license to do whatever we want. May we not continually fall in habitual sin because we're believing that it was done for us. No believer thinks like that. But Father, we wanna, we want to honor you because you gave everything to us you gave us the prize and i'm grateful so father yeah i don't know who it is but father i pray that you would save somebody today and by saving i mean i pray that they would believe in this message that they would hear the gospel of christ that they would hear that the work is done and they would put their faith in jesus alone and not their work father do that today for your glory and for your honor it's in christ's name we pray Amen.